This is episode 214 of the Gold Squadron Podcast. I'm your host, Dion Morales, and today I'm joined by Marcel. This is the week that matters, Manzano. Question mark. Is this is the week that matters? Um, so I, I listened to the uh, like the end of the week recap by Ali. He does uh-huh. like an, uh, an, an end of the week recap. And he basically said that uh, everything that we've done the first three weeks don't matter because this is the first week that we face somebody who some actual competition. So I find Ooh. it two different things. I find it disrespectful because yeah. I want to throw more beef around that um, we get no love. But I also find it disrespectful like like that's going after Sweden saying like, oh, Sweden was like, it, it don't mean nothing because you played Sweden, Hungary, and Chile. Like, and that's throwing some shade over them because they're saying like, so anyway, we'll see. We'll see if this is the week that matters. And for anybody who doesn't know what he's talking about, we're talking about the XTC, the X-Wing Team Championships. Also joined by Will, big old Trandoshan Broom, Hegwood. Just getting out there, just sweeping up Finral's messes, getting his janitor on. And Ryan, I guess I'm in Stanizuski. Yep. Um, watch out, Lemu. Stanizuski's on the way. <laughs> there, there it is. So yes, today our episode is brought to you by the Lemu uh, Hyperspace Galactic Championship Qualifier. It is this weekend. So I know there's always guys. There's always people who snooze to the last minute, kind of like, oh yeah. This weekend, and they all pile on on buying the tickets. So, go ahead, get your tickets now. There are still tickets for the target locks available, and of course, like I've said in the past, if the target locks don't sell out in the pre-sale tickets, they will just become available um, to everybody else. A spider just climbed down right in front of my camera. Sorry, bro, you can't be in here. Anywho. <laughs> Looking forward to this weekend's competition, and we'll find out who ends up being the champion. Now, for anybody who doesn't know what hyperspace is uh, or just wants more details on it, that's what today's about, and we're going to actually go a little deeper than that and maybe talk about how it could evolve in the future. What would we do? But first, we need to talk about the XTC. The XTC is the X-Wing Team Championships. We got teams from all around the world competing to be crowned the team championship, uh, the team champions of the X-Wing Team Championships. Team USA is currently out of seven weeks, three and oh, am I correct, Captain Manzano? That is correct. Three and zero. Quick, three team wins. Right, three team wins. So, what what countries have we defeated? Just for re- for reference. So Sweden, we took that one six one in a lot of nail biters. It could have been four three either way. Six uh, one. Uh, Hungary, we took six one and would. We probably it could have been a four three our way. I, I that one. I, I think we had that one, but. Uh, again, and then against Chile, it was 7-0, um, which really could have been like a 5-2. Uh, I, I think we stole a couple once there that we shouldn't have. Um, yeah, so 19-2 and two individual matches so, so far. So are you saying good. that this week Team USA was undefeated? Oh, yeah. Okay, so only yeah. a total 
of three losses in the entire competition. Two, excuse me, excuse me, two comp, two losses. That's pretty good. That's pretty. Yeah, good. if you're looking at all 38 teams um, mm-hmm. in their respective groups, I think Italy is the only one that is up there with 19 individual wins. Italy's also 19 and two in, in their group. Uh, in the same group that saw the favorites, uh, Poland, being upset by the newcomers, Singapore. So Singapore had a very uh, unexpected rally in, in beating Poland 4-3. So that, that was kind of a, a bit of a shocker. Well, you know, that means that Team USA is the team to beat right now, right? I mean, or Italy. I mean, what's what's Italy's record right now? Nineteen and two, also nineteen and two as well. How's Team England doing? Uh, they're doing three and no. They're seventeen and four, so they're still doing pretty well. But that's still that's still worse than the USA, right? But didn't Ali say that they were going to win all their games? Like, didn't that? Didn't that? Well, what he, he said, said that they were. So if they don't win a team match, if they lose a team match, oh, then that Ali sounds. Has, hold yeah. on, that sound. That sounds like regression. He said, "I I remember if we go back in the archives." That uh, that he that they were going to be undefeated was what he said, and he said if we don't, we're not undefeated. Then he was drinking hot sauce. That's what I heard. Okay, so now we're backtracking to now if they don't have team wins, you know that's that's different, right? That's different, uh, different ca- categorically different. So I don't know. I'm just, I'm not saying to go spam Ali and be like, hey, you lied. What I'm saying is that he's got some weeks to deliver on his promises, all right? Anywho, I love you, Ali. Just messing with you. All right, so let's talk about Team USA this week. What's going to happen before uh, we get into our um, our main topic for today, talking about hyperspace. Let's go ahead, break down the matchups, who is Team USA playing against, and uh, let's do our predictions like we did last week because uh, last week we were a little bit on the fence. It seemed like it was a, it was a 4-3 uh, U.S. leaning, and uh, obviously it went 7-0, so uh, I think if we just keep under um, under guessing on our on our bets, it just it just usually ends up better anyway. All right, Marcel, uh, let me go ahead and pull up the matchups here. Let's do that first, and uh, and we'll get going. So, what team are we playing against? Or is uh, Team USA playing against this this week? So this week we do have uh, we're playing against Spain. Uh, Spain had a bye week the first week, so they've only had two matches. And they are 2-0, so they, they also have not lost. Um, they've beaten Australia, and they beat, um, well, they beat Australia and Malta so far. And they are the defending champs, so they are, they were seeded number one coming into the, in, into the tournament. Awesome. All right, let's go ahead and take a look. At, uh, at the matchups here, we'll go ahead and flip screens. So we can do a little little doodling on this. All right. Lay it on me. First matchup of the, uh, of the set here, we have Resistance versus the Rebellion. So we know that uh, Carson Ray is flying um, Poe, right? Is Poe... What are the other ships again? 
Paul, it's Lulo, both. Jess, and Rose. Poe, Lulo, Jess, and Rose. A four-ship uh, resistance squad. What is the opponent from Spain, the Rebellion pilot, flying there? So Spain's got an interesting one. Um, you know, uh, I'm not going to knock on them because, again, we're playing against them, and they are uh, undefeated as well. Um, but they took an interesting twist on the um, token stacking Rebel. Uh, they have Kyle Katarn with Jin, Jin, Urso, and Moldy Crow. That's a regular one. Benthic two tubes in the U wing with Leia, Perceptive Co pilot, and hull upgrade. Um, they have Garvin, but they have Arc 170 Garvin, not X Wing Garvin with a hull upgrade. So they, got Arc, they have Arc 170 Garvin with a hull upgrade. And then instead of going Hera, they went uh, Shara Bay. What? With vectored cannons with the rear facing. Oh. So no Ahsoka, no Hera. The Garvin is on a arc. Uh, so Kyle Benthic, Arc Garvin, and Sharabay. With no bid at 200. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I can't get behind that list without Hera. Like, that's the whole point, right? Perfect information, pass the tokens token around, pass, yeah. generous so can change it as necessary from a focus to an evade. I like the idea of Arc Garvin. It's just a little more health. You don't have the boosting opportunity, but it's a little more guaranteed uh, uh, beef, even though with more defensive tokens available, Garvin X-Wing might mathematically be more difficult to kill than Garvin Arc. I think also because you don't have Hera, you don't have the token passing back and forth. Yeah, that's a huge so... deal, I think. I, I think that kind of breaks the initial idea of what makes that list really good. I mean, does it though, like... Uh, Benthic gives the focus to Garvin, and Kyle gives one of his focuses to Shero. Right? And then if yeah, Garvin, once once Garvin attacks and spends his focus, he can make it a an evade, and he just throws it to whoever else is in trouble. Sure, but True. the point of Hera was the perfect information. You were you all you never had to make a decision. You could always just halt, you know, pull it up on Hera and she'll make the perfect decision when you need it. So are they, it seems like what they're leaning into is that Benthic and Kyle are enough, right? So you have Benthic could give it to, uh, to, to Garvin. Garvin, when spending it, assuming that he does, gives it back to Kyle to recycle it with what I'm assuming is a moldy crow. And Kyle, at the beginning of the turn, ends up passing one to Shara so that she can hit like a truck. Now, I will say, this list seems to me more offensive than our normal, you know, Hera and X-Wing Garvin, Garvin version, especially with that addition of, uh, of Shara Bay, who, who does not need to be range-tethered. And I think that that is the advantage there that can be leaned into just a little bit. I mean, uh, Ryan, you smashed me pretty hard with, uh, with the Shara. You show me the power of the Shara side. Oh yeah, Shara is really good. Um, I just think this list archetype might lose too much without Hera. Now, I, I, get what you're, I definitely get what you're saying though on the offensive side because Hera doesn't contribute a lot on the offense. When you have Shara with that rotating arc, she is providing more pressure. Can't deny that. I just yeah. think that um, Hera's 
too good in that list archetype i feel we'll see i i i'm not convinced yeah, I was just going to mention that this list also brings, with Garvin's rear arc and Shara's rear arc, um, I think Kyle's pretty much a turret. Um, Benthic's kind of a turret when he's sitting and spinning, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I, I feel like the time on target would be so much better in this list, even if you don't have the, the unlimited modifiers or whatever. Yeah, it's definitely more offensive and... Uh, less focus on the defense it's, and th since it is less focus on the defense you do have two hull upgrades that you don't have on the traditional one so that's like an extra couple of aids in there so now we have to make a decision who do we think has the advantage in this matchup Carson Ray has won a couple of nail biters a right, couple of close games um, his list is you have your uh, your your more like jousty section here with Jess and Rose and uh, Lulo of course can be and Poe can be more independent there. What 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 are our guesses? What are you thinking, Ryan? Yeah, see, I say all that about the Rebel list, and I'm trying to think how does it match up against Resistance. And um, <clears throat> you have Je Jess is obviously really good. Rose is really good for her points. Um, can Carson make sure that they're not too left in this straight up like joust situation where he can find a good angle to force them to commit while Poe and Lulo are taking great effect to the fact that both of those ships are moving last. So I, I think with Carson's previous games and the fact that he has shown consistency and be able to uh, bring it down to the end of the game, if Lulo and Poe move after an entire list, I think I have to favor Carson. All righty. There we go. And I'm, I am in agreement with you there. Next, we move on to Scum and Villainy uh, for the Spanish team playing against Daniel Leon and uh, the Separatist list. Here we have Django and a set of five vultures. No struts, but... You got you got red, you got blue, you got stars, you got stripes. I mean, it's it's a great it's a great squad of little vultures. Uh, we did get to see them on GSP this weekend, and um, you know when when the vultures can do work, and and they just leave a perfectly healthy Zam to the end game. Turns out you got the advantage in that game. What is being played for the scum? I got it pulled up here. Uh, this is Andy Ramiro. He has three large base ships. Uh, that's Lando Calrissian with Trickshot, L3, BT1, and the, the title. Uh, Namlam with Proton Torps, Auto Blaster, Zam, and Cybernetics. And then Assange Ventress with Maul. False Transponders, Shadowcaster, and Contraband Cybernetics. So leaning into the stressing the enemy, handing out tractor beams, uh, punishing you for shooting at Nam Lam. Mm -hmm. uh, Lando and Asajj can be very defensive with their force and rerolls and things like that. I feel, if and I'm not mistaken... And the I-1s have a... Go, go ahead. The I once matter. The initiative goes to um, to the separatist, to Daniel. So Daniel gets to choose if he moves first with his little 
guys or move second with those little guys. That's an interesting thing because uh, my initial thought in that as a vulture player is I like to move first and take up the space, right? Yep. Um, the other part of it, though, is you're shooting first versus a Zam carrier in Nabla. Now, I'm always in favor, and my target priority whenever I see Nominalist is everything except Nom, if Nom has Zam group. Uh, so uh, it just depends on how well Daniel can get Saj or Lando caught or key in on them uh, and shoot them instead, unless they can burn Nom, but I don't think there's any real guarantee of that. And I'm sorry, not, I, I, not I realize that I did say, power. really quickly, I did say Django, I meant Zam, sorry. The true, the, the true best pilot in the fire spray. <laughs> yeah, I, I still think it's probably the right choice to have the vultures move first because it's a lot easier to block a big, a big base with a, a couple small ones mm -hmm. versus you can really mess up a whole vulture droid swarm with one big base getting in your way. Yeah, and and also I think the the, the big thing is if if you get the target lock and you trigger the target lock and get his charges back and he fires off a torpedo and kills you. That's a torpedo on a vulture and not a torpedo on Zam. So that's that's kind of his choice. You know, if, if he wants to do a torpedo to knock a droid out, okay. Yeah, he can't recharge him. I mean, it, there is a certain threshold of amount of droids you're willing to lose in certain turns, especially the first turn of engagement. Once you, if you lose two, it feels pretty bad. If one and a half, you can deal with. So looking at here, my my assessment is one of the things I see is in Daniel's game last week, he was able to take out a five, uh, was it five or six, a swarm of, of, of a swarm of hyena bombers, right at two agility. And the fact that he didn't play against three agility ships really showed the guns that are on the vultures. When you're playing against three agility ships, sometimes you can feel like your two die guns don't do damage. But here, you're playing against a, a one agility ship and two two agility ships. Now, Asajj is going to be the hardest one to put damage into, right? Because she's got the force, uh, at least most likely. And Daniel is going to have to deal with those tractor beams from the... Um, uh, the, the title, the Shadowcaster title, right? After being hit, you can end up being tractored. And remember, these vultures do not have, there's no struts here. No struts. So Rock I was going to ask that reminder if they had struts or not. Um, yeah. So on top of that as well, uh, Daniel will have to kind of keep in mind, I assume Lando Falcon has his Lando Falcon title. Yes. So have to be kind of conscious of doing that linked action and providing that extra die for a stressed ship. Yeah, so my th th that's one of the things I want to worry about there, though knowing that most likely, most, Dan most likely Daniel would prefer to move first to make sure that he guarantees those actions, and because he can end up exhibiting some control on both of those pieces, Lando probably gets burned down pretty quickly because he's only one agility. He's the easier one to take out. Um... I'm leaning towards Daniel getting getting the win here in week four. 
I, I think I agree. Just vultures, especially when you're going up against a bunch of ships that have the same amount of defense dice as you do attack dice, or even one less with Lando, and they're all big bases. They're not dodging many arcs in most cases. Like they're going to shoot something, mm -hmm. and um, that can that co combined amount of firepower, as long as they can track something down, they'll they'll find something and kill it. And even if they just take care of one of the three ships, pretty sure Zam can clean it up from there. All right, our next matchup: the Rebellion versus the Galactic Republic. On the Rebellion side, we have Matt Carey flying a Hera, Ahsoka, Kyle. No, no, no not Kyle. Janors. Janors, sorry. Janors and my brain. Come on, brain. Janors. I'm going to get it before I finish. He's got Wedge A-Wing. Wedge. There you go. Yeah, so, it, so it's Janors <laughs> with um, it's Janors with Title and Jyn Erso. Uh, wedge. Uh, just just little baby Wedge. And then Proton Rockets and Instinctive Aim on Ahsoka. Hera with Proton Rockets and 198 points. And he's playing against the Galactic Republic, which is a 200-point list with uh, calibrated um, with CLT Obi-Wan, Anakin with marksmanship, auto blasters, and R7, and two. That, that's a Ada. Arcos. Ada Anakin. Yeah, the Ada. Yeah, the the auto crit Annie. Uh huh. And two um, Arc 170s. So two Arcs, Obi, calibrated. Anakin at 200 points. So uh, that's the captain, isn't it? If I'm not mistaken. Marcelo Soto, yeah, he yes. is the captain. Oh, so he does not have a bit at all. Well, 200 point. So, so Ahsoka. I Matt has some amount of bid. Yeah, and he's got three fives and no, he got two fives, a six, and a four, and Matt has a two point bid. Yeah. Yeah, I mean Wedge is pure bait and annoyance, but he's really good at it. Um, Hmm. I mean, yeah. Not wrong. What were Ahsoka's upgrades? Does he got Procket on both ships, or does he have a different missile on Ahsoka? No, he's got Prockets on both. Okay. And instinctive aim, so he does like the whole target lock, and then. Sure. Yeah. I'm not sure how much Hera is going to be able to threaten Annie, depending on how wide he goes with Anakin with Ada. I assume he's going to want to go really wide, but he, then he can't leave ships out in the dust. Um, arcs, he, I mean, uh, it's got to be, they can take up some good space, that's for sure. But they tend to be the bodies that are taken out, at least one of them, most games, even though the main targets are CLT, Obi, and uh, Ada Anakin. Does uh, Obi, CLT, Obi have any uh, like R2A6 droid or anything? Nope. Just calibrated. No, it's not even sense, man. Hmm. You got to really slim them down to fit uh, that full crit Anakin in there. Yeah, I know. And uh, both arcs. Stealth device Anakin or any mod slot? Nope. Nothing. Wow. 60, 63 points uh, of crits and auto blaster. Yeah, I'm, I'm inclined to give a W to our to our side again to be re to be realistic. So he, here is one of my worries and why I'm not going 
I, I'm not I'm not jumping on that boat right away. And that's the Arc 170s. They have a ton of beef. They have a ton of beef. Now, Matt has Proton rockets in this list, right? Is it on all the A-Wings? Two. It's on Just the two. Ahsoka and, and Hera. And, Hera. Mm -hmm. okay. and Wedge is shooting usually boosted by Janor, so he's like a three-dice gun, yeah. Okay. So, but no so, rockets. So he, here is my assessment. If Matt can take out the ARC 170s early, if he can take them out early without losing any A-Wings, Matt wins the game. But if you tr if you trade, if you start trading ship for ship, and the first ones that start going down are um, are the uh, the A wings, uh, uh, sorry, the Arc one seventies on Marcelo's side, this, uh, the the Spain the Spanish side, and we're trading a or any of our ships. If we trade two for two, Matt's lost the game, and that's because of the defensiveness of the Jedi when they have three, both of them have three force. And at that point, even without the bid, I'm have confidence that Marcelo would be able to play defensive X-Wing. So I, for me, this is a 50-50 matchup, depending, and, and that the use of, what do you get for the ARC 170s will, will determine the game. It also depends on Matt's usage of the proton rockets, right? Like if he's using on an ARC-170, he has to be very sure that it's, it's it, this is, I'm taking out an ARC-170 this turn because the single resource, like you said, of those proton rockets is the, is the main spike damage that ideally wants to be used for hunting down and putting those aces at least getting half on them. So you're getting points into them. So... Yeah, besides Janor is pumping up shots, it is kind of a couple turns of big, big hits. But if Marcelo can uh, space out and not allow those proton rockets to be positioned offensively as easily on Obi and, and uh, Anakin, that'll make it very difficult for Matt. So I'll, I'll go with the 50 50. Okay, 50-50 there on that matchup. Next, we have the Empire, looks like, played by our boy. I'm delaying because I'm forgetting. Give me the, just the first letter of his name. Steve Cotillo. Just, oh, why'd you give me the... I just asked you the first letter, man. All right. Steve Cotillo versus uh, the resistance player in Team Spain who seems to have a stellar mustache, by the way. This is a very small picture, but I can see that mustache. All right. Um, Steve Cotillo is flying the Gorin Strikers. Gorin Strikers. What's happening on the resistance side? Uh, he's facing off against Apollo Rodriguez. And uh, they have uh, three T-70s. Uh, those are heroic reds uh, with C-3P rose and a Zari bangle uh, with thread tracers. So it's a uh, battle of the threes of the initial yeah, I was threes. About to say, yeah. Here's uh, the big question. Who's got the bid? Uh, 199 for the... Uh, for the Republic, so Steve beats him out. What's Steve at? Two or three? Something like 198. that? 198. Okay. So just one point beats him out. But still, that, that means a lot against this 
Yeah. I think Goran, Goran's the I4 ace. Goran's the ace, yep. So it's, it's definitely still a big deal in the interaction of discipline, right? And it's a big deal for the ailerons, for the strikers that could uh, get a higher benefit. But man, those T70s can be really, really beefy and can hang around a little bit longer and hard to one round sometimes. So um, I don't know if even with the second player discipline trigger, if that's going to still favor uh the imperial list if they just go for a joust style engagement so it still may be on steve to make sure that he's not giving the engagement too easily set up for the resistance squad but i think all, all on paper it should be in favor in the player order and how the card interaction card interactions are to steve and we got we got to talk about the bombs like that. This in in the joust, one of the one of the sneaky things, right? It's you have you have squad one coming in, squad two coming in, and you end up leaving behind a present right here. There's a box of joy. Put a bow on it, all right? Because you you got you have what like eight of those just dropped uh, right next to your squad, forcing you potentially out of position. Uh, can cause a ton of issues. Uh, Ryan, what, what, what are you thinking? You've flown a lot of this T70 type of archetype. What do you think is going to happen here? Well, I, I think a key is um, you want to fly moderately together because if Steve decides to start acing with these strikers and, like, split them up and not do the Goron trick and just say, I'm attacking from multiple angles. Even though it's not as beneficial for my like token stack with Goron, at least that way he's forcing the resistance player to pick a direction, right? If they do that, then the resistance side has to make sure that like they're kind of close, but can interact or jump and not be predictable which way they're going to jump. So, uh, but they they don't have to stay close together because there is no jest. There's no range one interaction, right? It's just Rose needs friends in arc of her when she shoots and around her when she's getting shot at. So, I I could see how you can engineer a, a favorable game state for the resistance side. You just have an uphill battle with discipline working as is and with the ailerons. So to me, it sounds like you're feeling a little more sixty forty. Not not super confident. But th- there's still a pretty good window for the resistance. Is that a correct assessment? I mean, I'm 60-40 on the Imperial side. Like, right. positively towards the U.S. Just because yeah. of card interactions and player interaction. All right. Well, we'll go ahead and leave it right there. Not quite a 50-50. 60-40. But not feeling a 100% confident. All right. Next matchup, we have Doug Howe. Mr. Automatic over here. We'll see if he can keep it going. Flying his Kylo Von Reg versus the Empire. Uh, all right, Marcel, what what Empire list we got out there? We got some I six. I six is going to be chasing down Kylo this week. No, we don't. Not this week. So we've got the Grand Inquisitor uh, naked. We've got Whisper with Juke. It's a chunky Whisper. Juke. Passive sensors, fifth brother, and stealth device, uh, and then Captain Pharaoh with Emperor Palpatine. 
So he's, uh, what is that? Initiatives uh, 355. And um, no, no bid. So you said passive sensors, stealth device. Juke and Juke. Fifth Brother. And, and then Palpatine and yeah. Captain Pharaoh to help some more. Wow. Okay. Then that, that's, that is chunky thick. So I once again will 100% put my faith in Doug, but at least to go through what likely could happen in this. Uh, since Kylo's moving after Whisper, 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 even though a stealth device has to be deathly afraid of that proton torpedo. But even though Von Reg is I-6, I think if unfortunately put into an odd position, Whisper can actually bully Von Reg pretty well just through the decloaking and positioning. So, uh, but yeah, I... I believe in Doug. He hasn't let me down yet. <laughs> in, in in Doug, we trust. I'm 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 in I'm in for that as well. And I do agree. It's because that tie BA right. It relies so much, similar to the Inquisitor, on those hard ones. So it keeps a very. Uh, it's good at holding a position, but it's not moving wide like Kylo is. I, Kylo is, is more sweeping as opposed to Von Reg and the Inquisitor, the, the TIE V1, which is more kind of a knife fighter, kind of staying in that same uh, that, that same channel. But uh, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to agree with you. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put the faith in Doug and go ahead and slap that dub on Doug, Mr. Automatic, until he's not. We'll find I mean, so, so would you say in that matchup, are you, I mean, point-wise, yes, 100%. So if you, if, if I'm Doug, I'm willing to trade Von Reg as long as Whisper dies. Because Kylo versus Faroff yep. and Quiz, I think it, it's it's almost a shoe in All righty. All righty. And, and Lionheart286 uh, saying, saying something that is very true. The best green dice are the green dice that don't happen. And that's, I think Doug doesn't mind playing against, like if you're playing t against two or three ships, Doug's job is to not get shot, right? To start pecking away, be patient, take a shield, take a shield, till you get half points. And at that point, you don't have to be hyper aggressive. You get, you get to be safe. So we'll see, of course, if he can execute that. He has so far. Our next matchup played by a pretty cool dude named William Hagwood. Don't know if you heard about that's, him. That's me, Dylan. Oh, it's the same William Hagwood. There's yeah, two. <laughs> turns out. Now there's two of them. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so flying a Bosk, Fenral, and Kanan Jarrus in the Hawk list versus the first order what do we got going for team spain uh this is david Lo lozano i guess so uh i'm not the names names expert anyways what i do know is his list which is kylo ren commander malaris uh in the size shuttle with proud tradition and three epsilon cadet or Epsilon Squadron Cadets, uh, the TIE FOs. So, Marlaris Mini Swarm with probably the best piece that FO has. How are you feeling about that matchup? Me? Yep. I mean, 
Kylo, uh, Kylo's always a problem, right? Like, you let you let a you let a Kylo go, and he could just ruin your day. Um, I don't really know what to think about those epsilons, though. Like, I don't know, I don't understand how that Jalstone block puts out enough damage, uh, like with like time on target. You know what I mean? I think like, in I think in most matchups, yeah. But what you have that will work really well is like. You have Bosk who can, if he wants to, double reinforce. But against those shots, you might only need one reinforce anyway. And then, yeah. And then Kanan can just neuter whatever shot Kylo's is, because Kylo's the only ship in that entire list that has a three attack dice. Right. Yeah. You know, I really only try to double reinforce if I'm facing like a bunch of T70s or something. Like yeah. I need three dice attacks. Because what? Yeah, double reinforce doesn't do anything against two dice attacks. Yep, it's only once you get to that range one area, which if I mean, you're I'm probably sure in range one, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming they're trying to block you. So yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, Bossy has uh, coordinating through Gleb and Gamma Key on focus tokens, so blocking him's like only so effective. Um, but you still have uh, Kylo out there and mm -hmm. a seven-hole Malaris uh, with I-5 coordinate. Yeah, and that is – we don't know how – um, how teams, the Team Spain First Order player has played this list, right? Is Malris mm -hmm. there? Like, we've seen people use Kylo kind of separate, right? You have the jousting squad on one side, and and then you have, uh, you know, the, the swarm kind of together over here, and you get attacked on two fronts. But... There is definitely room for a play style where Kylo lives a little bit closer and you're in that coordinate range. And you could end up with some really weird interactions or Kylo in, in, in different spots. Kind of a, a pseudo advanced sensors situation going on potentially with, uh, with that initiative five. Because, of course, Malaris does end up moving uh, after Bosk, but before, before Fenrau. So... You know, might be able to, to scope out where she needs to go in order to get off some some calculates. Oh, excuse me, not calculates. Um, I uh, wonder some if, uh, <clears throat> assuming that these this first order player uh, knows the new clarification and update to the Commander Malrus card that says no. before you modify it, the dice, it's no. actually not valid. Oh, it's Currently. not valid. In XTC? Not, va not valid in XTC. No. Any rules uh, changes that happened after the beginning of the tournament, this is being treated as a one-day tournament. So it's, just, gotcha. it's as if they changed the rule in the middle of the day. You still play by the rules that you started the tournament with. Okay, so Kylo locking can spend his lock before he would have to deal with Malrus's ability. Got it. Correct. Okay. Yeah, so what, what Ryan was, was referring to is now, uh, since Malris says must, they've, uh, they've, it's not quite errata. I would say that it is clarifying that says, now it says must, like, no, you got to do it. You can't subvert negative, uh, negative uh, consequences by reordering it, saying, well, I'm actually going to reroll my, my dice, like you were saying, with a target lock instead of doing Malrus. No, you got to do Malrus. Malrus first and then the target lock. But that's not valid for XTC until the end of this round, the initial round. It sounds like for the cut, 
it will be in play. By the way, though, all the new rules do apply for this weekend. And going forward, rules are, you know, instant for the GSP event. So the, the current ruling for Malaris will be live this weekend for Lamu. And I guess we talked a lot about just Bosk and Kane. I mean, Ben Rao's there too, right? So, like, Fen Rao's, it's uh, Will, let me ask you this. How often in your games have you shifted your coordinate to Fen instead of Bosk? It's normally always Bosk to get him as dangerous as possible with his 180, but have you coordinated Fen yet? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, if Kanan's got two focus tokens, um, and Bosk is stressed, and Fenrau, like, I can coordinate, like, yeah. Uh, if I if I can coordinate it, Fenrau, yes. Uh, but most of the time, yeah, he's, he's uh, Fenrau is, like, playing, uh, what do I want to say, close, but, like, um, sometimes he's not that close to the coordinate. But, oh, yeah, uh, the being able to coordinate and then either give him the link to barrel roll to focus, or just give him the stress because he's got decent blues anyways. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you gotta, you gotta use all the tools available. I think what could be interesting, I think it was brought up by uh, Daniel, actually who's in the chat. Um, yeah, I think you gotta remember that Malris does have a native jam. And even though we always assume the range one, there is that range two bullseye mm. that I got added a while back. And I think bullseyeing your boss get range two to get that jam on your reinforce could be uh, something that could show up. Mm, that's true. I hadn't considered that. Maybe I do need to go for the double jam. Double reinforce. Oh, that's what I mean. I got a hawk. I could jam too. <laughs> Start jamming. Ooh. It just depends on how you're engaging and how close you're going to be, you think. Because obviously you would assume the FOs are leading the way for Malrus and Malrus isn't like close enough. So it would probably be second turn engagement where that could happen, where um, Malrus is getting closer and the FOs are all trying to block you anyway, depending on what you gamut or, or coordinated. Could take the opportunity to jam. That's all fair. right. So look, looking at this matchup, um, and in the tools, this feels to me like a 50-50. I think Will Will has a lot of tools here, and if Bosk and Fen comes in uh, and just delete, you know, Kylo, or even you can you can trade Kylo for. Uh, sorry, you can trade. Yeah, I'll trade. I'll trade Bosk for Kylo every day. Exactly. Uh, right. Then, then you have uh, you still have plenty, plenty. I'm actually there. much closer to a 60-40 or just a straight win for Will because I think one, you have five ships in a list, right? Mm -hmm. Only one of them has a three dice attack. That seems very manageable for Kanan to neuter, and on top of that, you have the reinforce from Bosk. I think it's definitely, it's it's on the first order player to get some of those tricks that we talked about into play much more difficult than it is for Will to. Uh, to, to throw the weight around of the tools that he has that are probably going to affect the opposing list much easier. All right, so you, you said you're confident enough to go ahead and slap a win down there. You know what? I'll, I'll be with you. In Will, I trust. <laughs> All right. I guess. No, uh, no pressure, I mean, Will. I am. No, uh, Spain, Spain hasn't played uh, three weeks, but I am at the top of Group D right now as a note. 
Aha, there you go. Well, flex while I can, I guess. So. <laughs> well, you are one of the few, I, one of the few or only two belt holders in the world right now. That's true. That's true. I think I think the only reason I'm at the top of Group D in like the individuals is because Bosque finishes games. Man, uh, I actually don't go to time. 180 arcs. Bosque is angry. So angry. All right, what's the last matchup? Who who's that handsome devil down there? We already talked about you. Oh oh well well whatever that guy who's next to him is. <laughs> So we got Marcel Manzano of Team USA, Triple Regen. We got Ada, Obi-Wan Kenobi. We got Rick Ole and Naboo Anakin. Naboo Anakin. Versus a Separatist list. What is on the Separatist side? So we're playing Ander Lopez, who I um, – have not seen play but i have heard great things about him with this particular list and it's a the django zam uh with a 194 point bid django is, has lone wolf jamming bean chancellor palpatine thermal detonators and false transponder codes zam with django dooku thermals and false transponder codes as well all right i'm done so who has? I just, I just, I just, sla I just slapped. I have no bid. He has six. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> that, 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 I already, I, I did it before you even finished. Like, all right, Spain wins. You, you, Marcel, you have sense though, right? I do have sense. Yeah. Okay. And that is big that he doesn't have. Uh, like, if they had season navigator, that would be like game over. Automatic. I was really. It, well, yeah. So. I, in extended, you see them using a second force user as crew instead of season navigator. Season navigator would have been still really good on Django. Um, it's definitely rough, uh, even with sense to try and block one of them. But um, not having treacherous, I mean, going for a bigger bid makes sense. Um, regen could make it annoying though for only two ships against you. Uh, that it. it it's, the game's going to come down to the first engagement and how they use the false transponder codes. If they can false transponder and burn down or hurt one of your ships enough on a permanent level where your regen either cannot compensate or they can keep getting guns on that ship that they've keyed in on, then it's going to be really rough. But if you can mitigate the false transponder codes, maybe... All right. And Dion had no I, comment. You have, I, I mean, I, 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 this sounds like a bad matchup for you, man. It, it, it is. It, it is. Does. I'd say out of all of the matchups, this is probably the one, you know, and, but that's, that's kind of what you do. You, you're not trying, again, in a team tournament, you're not trying to win all seven. If it does, it's great. You're trying to set up more positives than negatives. So you're, you're going, you're going to end up with a couple of negatives. And if you can pull them off, great. But um, but yeah, I was last week. It was Matt Carey that was the the sacrificial lamb, even though he pulled it off. This week, it's 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 uh, it's right here. So so with that, the the prediction uh, is a for for the team USA. If it goes our way, that is 
a a weak record of five and one and one. Obviously, there's no ties in X Wing, but that's that's what that's what we have listed up there right now. We'll of course see see how it goes. I think this is the week that we maybe our hubris has uh, is showing today. Maybe our bias, the confidence of Team USA being three and zero in this, uh, you know, so far. Is, is what's having us put this out here, but it is fe it feels pretty good. It feels. Yeah, I feels will say most of the matchups on paper, like by the by the numbers and by the rules and the player order of the game, do favor U.S. So it, it was like, and then I'm like hesitant. I'm like, what? It, Spain's really good. What's going to happen here? But on paper, it's looking really good. But like, I, I don't know. So I. It does we'll make you, it, it, you guys. it does make you it does make me ask what do they know that we don't know <laughs> because this this is an opportunity for Spain to completely flip the narrative right if they come in and hopefully not they just they just come in and spank you guys right they sweep the US let's go extreme sweep the US all of a sudden the, the the confidence of Team USA shaken. Spain shows their dominance, likely to win. Right, like it it completely changes the narrative for the current group. So uh, I'm sure Spain, looking at what we have up here, if we have any Team Spain uh, members in the chat, are probably going like, like, oh, you watch, you watch. I'm I'm sure they they're excited. And we do have a game already. Uh, we're working on scheduling it right now for uh for wednesday night so we'll at least have one of these on gsp hopefully uh assuming that the the spanish player says a-okay but uh it should should be should be good i'm excited to see what happens this week all right so that was your team usa update obviously it's been a a staple part of the show because we have you know the captain and one of the players on our show so we're gonna we're, we're, we're gonna lean into it a little bit so for our discussion topic today i want to start with what is hyperspace and the reason i want to start there is uh one comment i got from a community member which by the way thank you so much i'm, I'm forgetting your name but thank you uh was basically saying hey don't forget about us people who don't know all the things you're talking about so it's important for us to sometimes lead with some preface information so hyperspace is a format used in tournaments that limits the ships and pilots that can be used uh, they are listed on the uh, currently on the fantasy flight games pdfs what is hyperspace and what is not for gsp events we use uh yet another squad builder uh, in order to import the list but i do know that uh yet another squad builder and launch bay next those are the two builders that i use uh they are accurate and match what's on those pdfs and you're limited and essentially right now the current theme is that there are some ships that have generics like the the non-unique pilots that you can use and some ships have the unique pilots and you can use once in a while there's one that doesn't quite match that formula but they kind of flip and flop uh essentially anything that hasn't been re-released in second edition is not a part of hyperspace um right now i'm sure there's something uh that i'm missing is, is any other descriptors there ryan um no i think that's like the baseline of it overall right yeah i i, I think so i'm 
<laughs> uh, that's why I just want to make sure we're covering our base. So now, now that we have that information, next weekend is the Lamu Galactic Championship Qualifier. It is one of our eight qualifiers to get into the Battle of Alderaan, the Galactic Championship. This is the uh, the worldwide championship that anybody can enter um we have players from all around the world playing and we will crown a galactic champion and we of course started running this last year uh in not necessarily in place of the war official world championships but there isn't a, a, an official world championships this year again so we will be crowning a galactic champion and looking forward to see who ends up being that top 32 get into the get their invite into the uh, the battle for uh, for Alderaan this year. So my question here is: We haven't thought about hyperspace for a while. It's been it's been a bit. So what I would like to do is start with a reminder of what are some things that are actually sorry. Let me let me roll it back before we even hit that. Ryan, why is hyperspace a good thing? So um, I'm going to make this as unbiased as possible because people may know my thoughts that hyperspace is my preferred thing. But it, it's a good thing and it exists be, just like for people who are familiar with Magic the Gathering. They have multiple formats. One of one, Some of the main ones are everything's available to use in deck build and for X-Wing it would be list building, which is extended. And then they also have a format, I believe in Magic, they call it Standard, where there's a curated list of cards that can be used to build your deck. X-Wing for hyperspace, same thing. Curated, set, limited, upgrades, pilots, and ships that you're allowed to list build with. And ideally, it's meant for a more streamlined, ideally more balanced, and ideally more new player friendly, being that the ideally all the re-released ships are in hyperspace. Maybe not all the pilots or upgrades from those packs, but at least all the ships or centered around those ships to more, get a more, a more cohesive experience and uh, more, I'd say, inclusive um, and easier to attain to get a competitive list in front of any player's hands. That is a, a great descriptor there. Now, there are definitely people who are dissenters of hyperspace. Um, Marcel, I know you're, you're not a huge fan of hyperspace, and, and why is that? Give me that perspective. Uh, I'm actually not, not a huge... I don't hate it. I, I kind of like it, but um, I prefer extended... And mostly it's because I because I, I like to have all the options and I like to have variety uh, with what I'm flying against. Uh, because it's a more limited number of ships, it's a more limited number of, of uh, combinations that you can do. The thought is that, uh, for starters, you can't play all the things you like to play. So maybe, you know, I'm, I love Wedge on an X-Wing. I can't play Wedge on an X-Wing. Uh, things like that. But also, um, because there's less options, you fly against more of the same kind of thing if you play only hyperspace. So if you play only hyperspace, um, you know, I, I don't like using that term, but a lot of people say, like, uh, 
how fast the meta is solved. Mm -hmm. If you only the the less ships you have, the the, the faster that will solve. Um, I don't think we run into that issue much because we don't have that many hyperspace events. If we had a lot of hyperspace events, for example, uh, that last year in 2019, uh, but we were doing it in person and all of the store championships were hyperspace. It felt like towards the second half of those store championships, you were flying the you were, you were facing against the same list over mm -hmm. and over and over and over again. It was always the same list. Um, where extended, you you get a little bit more variety, un unless you know something weird happens, like you get the the Nantex or something outright broken happens. But um, that I think is 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 probably where people tend to. Um, kind of not like it as much is that the the variety tends to be less and you tend to play against more of the same type of list you don't get as much variety uh the meta is probably solved a little faster and more than anything else people don't get to play with toys that they prefer you know if you prefer um you know there, there's 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 a lot of stuff but for example the hawks on on the rebel side I mean, a lot of people like Kyle Katarn, a lot of people like Janors. You just don't get access to any of that. Um, and it feels bad if that's your list, you know? If you're, if you're practicing with one list and that's the list that you really enjoy playing, and all of a sudden they're like, well, only two of those four pieces are now valid. Um, it's like, well, then I don't want to go through the trouble of trying to figure out something else. So it, it, it's, it's a preference. But I do enjoy hyperspace. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of starting to like the, I like hyperspace, and then in a probably like 75-25 way. If 75% of the tournaments are extended, and only a quarter of them are hyperspace, I think there's hyperspace adds a lot of variety. Uh huh. But if you flip it, and the majority are hyperspace, and only a few extended, then I think the hyperspace can get old. Okay. That that is now, that is a great way I to look at that. One thing we didn't I, or I didn't clarify and mention is ideally hyperspace is meant to be rotated every 6 months with the points change or sometimes in certain new releases they will update what's available in hyperspace both what's added in or taken out. Uh besides these new packs recently with the uh, Sky Strike Academy, Phoenix Cell, and I forget the name of the scum one because I didn't buy it. Uh, the fugitives uh, and collaborators. Fugitives, fugitives and collaborators. Yeah, um, those had some adjustments to hyperspace of adding some things in, and I think took a few things out, like the Rebel generic A wings were taken out because they added all the new named ones. Um, but I we were initially supposed to get our points update and uh, hyperspace update right about now realistically uh but that got pushed to the fall so people who are feeling a little bit tired of this hyperspace format i can sympathize with it i was looking forward to some new fresh looks but it is what it is for now i still think there can be some evolution to what currently is but it's yeah it's a little more limited to uh than what we would have had for um you know a full refresh yep and and I I will tell you the date for Lemu was picked with the intent and the hope that the that the rotation would have happened 
already. Like it would have been at this point uh, a couple weeks ago. But uh, I won't say the newest update, uh, according to a post that I saw that was sent to me via via text that happened during a live stream, that it's moved up a little bit. So it was fall. It's now moved to late summer. So – you know, it's it seems like it's a fluid situation, but hearing that they're looking at uh, at late summer for a release sounds like uh, it sounds like it is it's going to be sooner maybe than than we think, which would be a nice uh, a nice change in pace. Now, it's, it's, it sounds like it'd be just in time for the October second hyperspace event for GSP. That's right. That's right. We have one more hyperspace now. Will I'm going to toss this to you? I, w- I want your opinion on something. So we, this last year and a half, almost two years, okay, we've, mm-hmm. um, we've gained a lot of players. And mm-hmm. because of that, you know, most of them are playing, obviously we're, we're playing mostly on TTS, and they haven't had the, the next breed of in-person tournament players. We haven't met them in person yet, right? Like they're, they're, they're ready they're just they we haven't they haven't had that opportunity yet. So I'm curious to see and get your opinion on how do we think their opinion of hyperspace will evolve cuz right now they have access to everything, right? Nothing's being taken away. One of the arguments for hyperspace as well is just like availability. Hey, if you want to fly an alpha class Starwing and you're a brand new player, you're not you there's you can't just go to the store and buy one. Right. Okay. Same thing with with a lot of different product, mm-hmm. but we're going to be in real life here pretty soon, and those real life restrictions are going to be there. A- any thoughts on maybe the the ev- the mental evolution and emotional uh, changes that might happen for these new players that will be moving into in person pretty soon? Well, I mean that's uh, that's really the history of hyperspace was it always was supposed to be like a second edition released only format so you could go to the store during a hyperspace tournament or game night or whatever buy a couple ships in a core and then put them on the table right away and you'd be in the same playing field as someone with the conversion kits right i'm trying to rack my brain about is there a ship that's in hyperspace that isn't a second edition product it's, yeah, it's, I think, uh, I think, technically certain pilots like soon tier fell. Ah, uh, but okay, so they would come in the conversion kit, but you could realistically yes. still buy the model at the game Correct. store. Yeah, but if you went and you were like, I'm going to start playing Empire, I'm going to go buy Star Strike, or Sky Strike Academy and the starter set or whatever. Sure. You'll have interceptors, but you won't have all of them. Okay. I mean, you need that tur, so it makes sense. Um, <laughs> yeah. All right, so. And that's what I think was always the, my uh, opinion of, like, we needed hyperspace to grow the game. We needed people who can hit the ground running. Um, and I, I do think over time, we've, I think we've kind of gone away from that. And it's, it's made this more curated uh, list, like, very specific, like, no named Aether sprites. Um, uh, and... Uh, what's, what's some other ones? Oh, well, you can't even fly named interceptors right now, anyways, can you? You can't even fly Turfener. No, you uh, the generics that are the interceptors are named uh, in hyperspace. So you you can have Sienna and you can have Zoom. Can you? you? Yeah, you just can't have the generics. 
yeah, the generic interceptors are out. And by the way, it clarified. Oh, because that, that just changed, though. They people, used to have yeah. sabers in there. That was people the most recent change. For me, Suterfell is in the new single interceptor pack, so my bad on that one. That is true. Okay. I was always, um, I had Sky Strike on my head for the whole thing, but yeah. Uh, yeah, so it'd be like obscure X-Wing pilots, like two tubes and um, things like that, right? That you'd have to go and find the expansion. Yeah, the original anyway. U-Wing and Cavern Angels stuff, yeah. <laughs> right. Um, and I think that's really affected my opinion on hyperspace. I thought it was like a necessity to like that we we as experienced players needed to lean into hyperspace to grow the community um but now that's kind of like a curated list I, I don't think that's really doing that uh job as much as what it could be it's really doing this kind of i don't know i really don't know what their um did they ever really say what their intentions were of making some named and some not I think it's it was just really... I think it was just variety. Just variety. I think, because that, that, was, that makes sense. That was the biggest overhaul for hyperspace we had seen. Mm -hmm. Because that's what right. it was before, right? It was if it's new, it's in hyperspace. And then there was this massive like, okay, it looks completely different. And I guess that's I think you hit it on the nose there, Will, is what is the purpose of hyperspace exactly yeah and, and that makes me have like mixed feelings on it as of now i do like the um i do occasionally i think like marcel like i do occasionally like the list building challenge or restricted list just to you know uh dust some cobwebs off of uh the old yasby and see what uh see what we can come up with with uh limited upgrades and things like that um but i, I would just wish that it had, I don't know, something else. I think it's missing something right now. Uh, I w uh, was, um, but I would, I'm just not sure what, I guess, would be the question. I feel like it is missing something, though. And they, now to add another side to this, one of the things that, uh, that AMG mentioned in in a live stream people were asking about reprints are you guys going to be reprinting stuff and it was just a quick yes but i want to kind of go down the the rabbit hole they didn't get any specifics there is if they're going to start reprinting stuff we end up reaching a point where all ideally assuming that it's still good for their business because i know the intent originally they said we're going to re-release all the first edition stuff so that anybody can get it right and then we only got so far one of the things we kind of speculated was well was there some business reason where sales not good enough because not the entire x-wing base was buying these new ships because a lot of people had them already who already played the game but if they go through with their full plan, we get reprints of everything and all players have access to everything in second edition. Then we go and we have the possibility to make hyperspace kind of like more like what you're saying, Ryan, a truly different format where they can take it to more extreme levels of specificity in what they want to see. Is that is that what you is that is that your ideal, Ryan? What are you thinking? 
So I think it would have definitely been nice, and it's probably just bad timing to under to get their take on like what what their thought process is on this hyperspace. Like, I'd like for each new hyperspace list to it'd be nice to I don't know a small paragraph would be like, hey, this is what our thought process was into why we wanted this hyperspace, just to get an understanding and know what their goals were, right? And by the end of it, did they end up reaching those goals or whatever? Or would they want to adjust to? But I think the main thing is to uh, find a closer sense of balance in the game because it's controlled, right? When you can control the cards and interactions that are there, you don't have things that end up being so card comboy and you're trying to explain it to your uh, friend across the table and they just go, I'm not following, but this crazy thing just happened to me and I feel like I fell into this trap, but I couldn't stop or whatever, right? Or I have to try and catch Supernatural Kylo. Good luck <laughs> type of thing, you know? Uh, it, it leaves some of the things out of the game that take away from, I feel, the core of the dial, move, shoot, right? I get to move before I, uh, you know, actually move being like, actions or you know supernatural advanced sensors all that stuff like limiting some of those interactions that break that main cycle sure there are ships like the ada that have system phase stuff but at least that's in a set phase and not at your initiative right um any certain munitions bombs things that just you know varied up a bit so that you have certain ones available but I, I can't think of some of time, but there there could be like interact crack shot, right? Crack shot was taken out. It has a feels bad oriented to it sometimes in snare on Nantex. Like, sure, they're not meta or whatever right now, but man, if you have like a three or four ship list of all small bases and you're going up against a Sunfock with a snare, it's probably gonna be a feels bad mostly moment in time. And we've seen uh, Nantex doing fine without a snare in a competitive com capacity anyway. Granted, probably being carried by Zam and Grievous a bit in those lists, but it's there. So um, I think try and maintain the core of the game experience, limiting some of the crazy interactions. Not that there can't be some combos. Sure, you can make combos, but it needs to be something that still still kind of follows the guidelines of the core of the game itself. All right. Now, here's here's another question. Let's take this idea of hyperspace. Let's go one step further. Is there room for a third format? Hear me out. Hear me out, okay? We have extended. Quick builds? No. God, no. <laughs> No, 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 no. Sorry. <laughs> epic? Yeah, Epic? <laughs> no. No, 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 no. Oh, I guess another, an additional. <laughs> I mean, it's not a third. I guess we already have those. <laughs> Ones that are played competitively. So we have extended. What if hyperspace becomes still the whatever is new, but it's like a sliding scale? So things end up falling out of hyperspace, right? It's just a sliding scale. It's whatever was released in the last X amount of months, it just, and it just kind of moves. And then there is this other thing, this other area where AMG 
could create more kind of like list building challenges and it's not a fixed set of things the the parameters can change but they can say something like for this season our list building challenge is called you know whatever they want to call it enter star wars name here and then evolve it then kind of to to give that feel of uh kind of similar to magic the gathering again i didn't play i i, I never played magic but kind of the idea of um i think what would be called standard would be that like that that sliding scale one uh is it legacy for for our for the extended and then you have just kind of your your wacky one in the middle that commander would be, uh, commander yeah <laughs> so the only thing i know about modern magic is they play commander yeah so i i think because here's the thing let's let's be honest the two things that we love about x-wing Right there's the dial. There's that that heart pounding. Oh man, that pressure. You're gonna put the dial down. Is my dial correct? And and list building, like we just sit there and we tinker, right? And and the more the more situations where people are tinkering and building lists, I think AMG as a business ends up making more money because you're like oh i have this idea i want to play this as this tournament but i don't have x let me go get it or borrow it from somebody you're still you are you're increasing the excitement around your product and then for us as gamers we are as x-wing players we are now motivated to think about the game and that's what keeps it exciting we have now conversation points and the community as a whole start or not starts but continues to move and i think by i think more options can be okay and i think i think it's something that i hope amg considers in the future so i i would actually steer off of different list building things you you could say whatever this third format is it could be either extended type building where everything's available or curated in the same manner as hyperspace but if we want to uh, also key in on what AMG strength is, it's theme and uh, more on, not always on the casual side, but they help, they build stories really well, right? And a game that dropped off a while ago that was Star Wars based that FFG had, that had slightly similar aspects to what I would propose, Imperial Assault, where they had... Um, events or seasons where there were certain maps and I believe objectives that you could, that are assigned to that season. So what I would want is obviously you can't really affect the, the quote map unless they have set obstacles, but specifically more on the objective, right? Build an objective that could be built around the current story aspect that they want to tell that could help shape the future season. Well, they, I, I just think correctly implementing objectives is a good next step for the basic 200-point X-Wing. And ju just to be a dissenting voice and just kind of play play the other side here, but Imperial Assault's a complete game, though. Did it help it? I didn't Did say it take everything from it. <laughs> Just Plus, that's ground piece. war. I'm all about the space war anyway. So that's I don't right. Like they, they got Legion now, whatever. 
Yeah, I think that um, I, I would, you know, you prefaced the conversation when by using the word competitive or competition, mm-hmm. and I would, um, I would go, I would be, I'm highly against anything that is considered like competition versus a side event that is story driven or theme based or anything like that. I think it's fine for side events. And then, you know, I, I think the big, the most successful, uh, like little mini games, if you want to call them, you know, uh-huh. side events or, or is probably Ace of Hide. Like that, that, that really in person, it doesn't translate online, but in person it's, 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 it's kind of a takes a one V one and it does more of, um, you know, kind of like when, when you're sitting around the table and playing, you know, some, you know, coup or something else that's just a quick hit around the table and everybody's having fun, everybody's laughing, and, and it's not really competitive. Um, but it's, To it's jump in there, fun. I look at Aces High is it is a social activity is really what exactly. it is. And that's where I would lean the themed events would also be for people who like RPGs, people who like, um, you know, those type of scenarios where okay let's pick up where we you know our, our uh, heroes of the cluster our Terry cluster or whatever it was called you know people that can say okay let's let's play this scenario today next week we'll come back and we'll play part two part three um so i i think that is that i don't think that that uh would be a supplement or would be a third scenario of like a competitive play for me, what I would love to see either out of hyperspace evolved or anything competitive added to the to the um, to competitions like system opens and things like that would be um, some list building unique to the event scenarios. So uh, you know, I, I really enjoy and, and, and love. I haven't done it a lot, but I think. You know, the couple times I've been part of, like, the gauntlet, mm-hmm. that, that's been fun. Like, okay, you've got five minutes, figure it out. Um, you know, I know you can't do that with a system open, but, for example, if they're doing system opens and they're saying, okay, this system open is in uh, this planet and it's centered around this um, fight, here are your list restrictions for that. For that. That could be a little bit themed and all that, but it's it's most mostly like a list building challenge around that around that event, and then you go into the next system open. It's like okay, this next system open. Here's your list building challenge for the next one, and that's what where I find that it doesn't get dull. Even if you have limited options and you only even if you're or you're you're limited to only like three ships per faction, like even more limited, as long as it doesn't get redundant and as long as you're not facing the same top lists in every event. That for me would be enjoyable. Like I, I would love to go to different events and, and there's a different um, list building challenge for each event. There's different um, restrictions for each event as long as they give ample enough warning where, okay, this, you know, you, you can plan it out, at, you know, maybe like a couple months ahead of time, mm-hmm. you know, not giving people like three days to figure it out, but um, that that's that's what I would love to see. As as far as like a third competitive track would be um, unique lists, building restrictions per event. 
All right. Well, I, I, this this conversation has been great, and I think I think what we identified is that there is there is design space for more organized play, right? So, in the reason. Uh, the other reason we're bringing this up is, of course, it's a, it's a way for us to also talk about Lamu. By the way, sign up this weekend, okay? All right, right. But the the other thing is, with more organized play being opened up, we want to give people as many ideas and r remind you to have the creative freedom to try something a little bit different because there really is a lot of room. Now, I would encourage if you're going to make something weird test it first Sh shop it around ask people their opinion you know um ask people who are who you think are better at the game than you are right because sometimes but I, sometimes we have gaps in our in our knowledge that other people might see it right away and identify an issue with your idea um but i still think there's there's a lot of a lot of ways to have a ton of fun for uh, for people coming back to organized play. Now, um, we are going to make some bold predictions. We're going to make some bold predictions. This weekend is the Lomu Galactic Championship Qualifier. Right now, it looks like we'll probably have around 100-ish people participating. I would like each of us to take a guess at a bold prediction for this weekend. Do we have any volunteers to go first? Hyperspace now. We got to put on put on the hyperspace. Anybody in the uh, in the chat got a uh, got some got some bold prediction? Uh I'll go with a uh Oh no, that's not bold. Um, I was going to say a tie interceptor wins it, but then it could be Gorn and Strikers in this, like, that one, the last one, the last hyperspace. So, no, not, not very bold. Um, I'll say Sunter Fell, specifically, will be in the final. Okay. And that guy just said bold predictions. If you're throwing out Zam, is not a bold prediction. All righty. Ryan. Yeah, I'm thinking. Um, I'm going to say. Oof. Uh, the Initiative 3 pilot that has the best performance is not the V1s. And. Can I go bolder? Is not going to be. Is not going to be from the Imperial faction because that also takes care of the Strikers. Uh, how much deep? How much farther can I go with this? <laughs> so you're basically shovel? saying Delta's Delta's all right, three, right? I was leaning on like I think we're going to have a better performance from the Jedi Knights than is is that bold though? They're pretty good. Three Jedi Knights and Shakti or something. They like that? They have showed up, yeah. yeah. Yeah, three Jedi, seven Bs plus whatever you feel like. Yeah, you know, sorry, right. I I don't I'm not going to make this prediction, but it was weird that in the last event, even though extended, right, mm -hmm. there was no Harris in the cut. Like, there's no way. Like, it's bold to say she's not going to make it in the cut, but man, that was that was eye opening to see. 
Uh, Will, if you got something you can take, and I'm still kind of like fishing all my, right now. All my bolts are like it's pretty tame. Uh, I'm really trying <laughs> to see, trying to speak, think if I can get to one uh, that I could really stick to, and uh, that I'd be confident about. Mm-hmm. And I, a lot of them, a lot of I have a lot of predictions. Um, I don't know are, how many. Are they bold? Are yeah? Are they <laughs> bold? Um, because well, see, like, every time I say something, there's like, oh yeah, well, there's like, all right. So my bold prediction: there are no three agility ships in the final. Oh, okay, okay. okay. I know that still leaves quite a bit of options, but um, no three agility. Yeah, like that's my only bold. bold prediction would be pretty narcissistic right now. Because <laughs> it'd be something, it'd be something that I'm playing potentially, but like I don't want to go that route. <laughs> my oh, bold saying resistance uh, making it bold prediction. Ryan wins. Ryan takes it all. That. I was gonna say something makes an appearance in the top cut that hasn't been there in quite a while. Ooh, okay. But all that's right. way too vague, and I can't do that. <laughs> so like. I'm gonna have to. I'm, I'm gonna take a real shot in the dark here. Like, you know what? First order makes a cut. They. What's the last time they made a cut? Right? I think they've made plenty of cuts, right? Uh, they make not the last few. Nah, not the last couple. No. Well, you First know, order makes a cut without Kylo. There. Oh, oh that bold. is that is bold. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just throwing that out there. We're gonna go even bigger. We're not even say they make the cut. They make the cut without Kylo. All right, my bold prediction. Come on, Darth Vader, final table. Let's go. You got Palpatine help. It's hyperspace. Palpatine. Yeah, he's not in hyperspace. He's not in You're hyperspace. Ah! <laughs> no. That was and very the bold. If very that was bold. the boldest. <laughs> Winner <laughs> cheap. broke the rules the entire way through. Okay. Um, man. Uh, now, now, now it's on me. Now, now I'm the one holding back the boat here. Um. Okay, you know what? My bold prediction is going to be let that Jedi Knights don't make the top sixteen or better. Jedi Knights do not make the top 16 or better. I'm trying to think which one's bolder, that one or my claim on the First Order. Because Jedi Knights have been making cut pretty consistently. They may, they may not go all the way, but they make cut. Well, that is uh, that was our bold predictions for, for Lemu. Looking forward to seeing whoever's going to be playing out there and uh, putting on, of course, six games plus the cut on Saturday. It's going to be, be about ten games worth of X-Wing this weekend, changing it up. The, the any person's championships here. Um, so good luck to everybody who's competing. And before we uh, we end here, what I'd like to do is take a moment here, and, uh, and let's let's see if we can find. Excuse me. Let's see if we can go ahead and find a question of the week here. By the way, 
while uh, while while you guys take a peek at the discourse, see if you guys can find a cool cool question. I wanna I wanna address a question I got. An absolutely fantastic uh, meme was was posted on the Gold Squadron Paint Wars discussion section on our uh, on our Discord, and it was a it was uh, Grand Moff Tarkin with with. Uh, talking to Leia but with my face on Leia's place and says I grow tired of asking this where is Gold Squadron Paint Wars um, soon is all I can say we I, I was supposed to let me, let me, let, I'm going to throw Nick under the bus you guys ready I, we, we were supposed to view the final cut for episode one today okay but but Nick said can we push it back to tomorrow so potentially the first episode and the template and really the 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 first roll of the rock down the hill should be tomorrow. I finished composing the music. I, I, I that was the spoiler I was able to give you. Like, look, guys, this is some of the background music. It's here. We should be ready to go. Uh, but if anybody has done any type of video production where it's episodic and you're trying to do like it is it's a ton of work it's a ton of work and you guys are so used to just instant like oh i can just watch it right away as soon as something is done so the painters are dying right now because at this point by the time we're done and the season's over like the the first season's over it probably would have been about not a year but pretty close for when everything is done so uh looking forward to it and uh thank you to everybody who was a part of gold squadron pain wars your uh your patience will will pay off the 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 first cut of the first episode i got to see was fantastic the second cut small tweaks add the music oh it's gonna be great all right we got any cool questions of the week yeah i got uh i got one here and this is we're, we can expand upon this a little bit uh, and personalize here because uh, I, I don't think that there's a specific answer. But uh, Porter uh, wrote in on our Discord uh, podcast question of the week. Um, I'm just going to quote him here. Uh, Semi-philosophical. That's not the word. Anyways. Uh, <laughs> whatever. He's got a Thank you. Uh, <laughs> in a professional game, I'll just... I'll translate that to a game of equally high-skilled players. Uh, when do you actually win or lose? Is it in the list building before ships are uh, put down on the table, turn zero? Um, is it in the opening moves? Um, or is it uh, the rest of the game uh, and the rest of the game is just drying out uh, the win or loss? Um, so essentially is... Um, when, uh, like I said, I'm taking this as professional X-Wing as what well, we've come across to with like a, uh, XTC of two just uh, equally high-skilled players, right? Um, when uh, do you actually lose? Um, I'm going to bounce it to you guys, I guess, because I already know my answer because I've had time to think about it. Or do you want me to go first? Well, I, would say, I would say I would say start start you start with yours okay. uh, and and then we can kind of fill in anything or add. Um, uh, I would say that uh, there's um, assuming like if if we're in the mindset of professional, which I'm going to take as competitive. So the two competitive lists. Um, I don't think you automatically lose in list building. 
I do think you can lose the game turn zero. Um, but I honestly, I think most games, when you have uh, lists that can fight each other, right? Um, I honestly, I think it comes down to like one dial call and one good or bad dice roll, depending on which side of the uh, table you're on. I think that's really all it could be. One bad dice or one bad dial call and one bad dice roll could be the difference between win or loss um, in, in like a high uh, skilled game of X-Wing. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go a little bit different. I'm going to say that the answer to that is different to every player. Um, it's understanding what you're good at and doing that. So what I mean by that is some players are really good at um, preparation, and that's what they do really well. They practice, they get their openings right, and they execute their plan, and that's the consistency of their plan and their play is what brings them victory. Other players are good at um, maybe playing on the fly and just kind of winging it a little bit. and just adjusting and the players who do that and do that well they win or lose based on making those couple right choices at the right moments and more than anything else um kind of keeping their cool because when you're winging it you're oftentimes going to show up in a scenario that's suboptimal and you have to kind of work your way around that um so I think it really goes, and some people just win in list building. Um, they just put together like not really preparation, but just in their list, and they show up with something that's unexpected or something that they've built, and they've um, that this kind of just kind of catches people off guard. So I think it changes for for everyone as far as like in a competitive set, what will in a competitive environment what's going to win it's i guess at the end of the day it's playing to your strengths and understanding your weaknesses and if your weaknesses um you know one of my weaknesses is uh aggression over aggression and um not it used to be not counting the points like that used to be one of my weaknesses like not knowing the win condition until the end and just kind of winging it and like, oh, how did this end up? Let's see. Let's figure, let's find out. So um, I know that used to drive the own nuts. Um, so just understanding what your strengths are, what your weaknesses are, and then working towards your strengths, practicing on your strengths, and then uh, trying to limit what what you do wrong. But I do also agree with William that it's usually one or two in a seventy-five minute game. It's usually one or two um, turns that really make the biggest difference but even those one or two turns that make the biggest difference they only do so because there was 50 minutes ahead of time that put you in that position to have to have that you know like 50 50 do i go left do i go right um so even those scenarios that feel like oh it all hinges on this one move it all hinges on that one move because there was 50 minutes or 70 60 minutes 70 minutes before that that got you to that point. And the last thing I wanted to talk about about that is um, closing the games, watching XTC, especially the US games, but also like other games as well. 
one of the things that that sticks out between the teams that have won consistently and the teams that have not, or the games that have won consistently and the games that are not, is players not understanding their their win conditions and attacking when they're up or being ultra defensive when they're down and sticking to you know if if your mode of playing is aggression and you don't know how to lay off the gas when you're winning or if your mode of play is being defensive and you don't know how to hit the gas when you're down and say hey I'm going to spend this focus and leave myself susceptible to get blown up but that's my opportunity to win I think that's the other part that I think um I, I see I have seen is the biggest difference between people that win and people that lose is, is at some point they lose they don't know how to close the games or they don't close the games as well as as other people. Ryan? So um I like when Marcel brought up the um, you know when you're coming down to what Will mentioned that that one turn, that one dial, that one thing. There are cascading effects that get you to that point. Point. Everything in X-Wing has a level of ripple effect, but each thing that happens is only a small or large percentage of how it affects the game. And that's what I like about going back and analyzing my games, finding things that had the highest impact on why I won or lost. And that could be turn zero because you had a certain setup and this rock or this placement, you realize it in your, in your deployment, you're like, I just completely messed up. That happened to me. In my worlds against Nicholas God, I deployed on the wrong corner of the board to take advantage of the rock placement. I lost in turn zero against it. Um, and then you have games that I, I would say most games are mathematically decided. Not after the first turn of engagement, because that's normally a range three engagements. Not a lot of damage is being traded. If it is, it's probably some variance or one of or one of the lists is meant to trade like with torpedoes or something with longer range. But it's that second turn, the close in, the range ones, the stuff where you're finishing off anything that got a little bit of damage in the prior engagement and the scrum a little bit after that one turn afterwards, because that's where you can get some of those movement mistakes, misjudging your distances and, and, and self bumping accidentally yourself, things like that. I think it's those. And that's why I commonly refer to turns as like the, you know, the first turn of engagement, the second turn of engagement and the third, where it's like just a mess. Right. And how much is left? What did you trade? Did you trade, direct points did you trade positioning for those ace players i feel like in in those main term those main turns is where when you're up or down by points is generally where it's going to lead towards the winner of that game unless there is a drastic positional advantage even though someone's down in future turns but it's how you got there right that's why people a lot of times work on those set up in first engagements and roll back and don't play complete games because getting that first turn engagement is very important on where you where you want to position i i would encourage everyone if there's a certain matchup you're having trouble with take your list and don't try and like fly it like just envision where do i want my ships to be when they are in their position like literally just pick them up and put them on a board and, and figure out how do I get there? 
and then draw it back and figure out forward now how you get to that position. You know, literally just take your groups or single ships and be like, I want this ship to be here. I want this ship to be here. And I want this ship to be here. And now reverse engineer. How did I get there? Find the ripple effects that create that and then figure out and practice that and then utilize it in complete games. So, you know, like Marcel said, how to close it out. Ryan Staniszewski calling out the backwards design. I like it. So I don't think I can really add to that, but I want to give a a a, a way to start assessing how you are doing on being able to create and realize these situations uh, through a, a story. So I'm I remember this was. This was Worlds, the last Worlds I played in, whichever one that was. I specifically remember the game where I knew as soon as I put my last ship down in my head, I went, I have lost this game. I had realized it too late, but very similar to what you were talking about, Ryan, is there, there is an optimal amount of of things that your opponent can do depending on your your positioning because if they've done their homework and you haven't and you realize it too late that's a lot of times when you're losing those games and just the way that the obstacles were set up they had an alpha strike list and there was no way that my list was going to be able to get an approach where my ships didn't end up i didn't end up losing two ships in the first engagement like it was on average dice i lost two and a half ships and that's exactly what happened right so I had to try to go for the upside and say, all right, I'm pretty sure I've lost this game in setup, but I am going to go ahead and try to just joust it and see if I can dice myself out of it because that's my option. So two-sided suggestion there is try to identify if you're losing a game. If you're losing a game, what caused, what caused the loss, right? Why are you losing? Because sometimes, uh, and this is, this is the reason why, you know, I, I don't like the TTS dice stats, right? Is too many people go jumping in there, right? They, they, they immediately go look at the dice stats and, and point, this is why I lost. Without giving us the full analysis of what had happened could the dice maybe have helped one way or another yes but that should not be the first place that you're looking and we've said that a lot work on identifying what you could have done to make the situation better for yourself find out why you lost when you can start seeing turn zero as a reason why you have why you played that game suboptimally or why your opponent had advantage on you or what is the difference between good positioning and bad position? Because sometimes we talk about that, like I have bad positioning. There are people who legitimately ask the question, what does that mean? What do you mean you have bad positioning? You know, there's, there's a bunch of different scenarios where they can be, and that's something that we hope to continue to break down and analyze for you guys. But when you can start making those realizations, you know that you can start creating growth and try to avoid you know making making the i set my last ship down and have lost the game mistake hopefully you can realize it before the setup actually happens you can 
you know, have that sim in your head and have been able to go through the matchup? That was a great yeah. question to pull there, Will. Yeah, that was. Uh, I would like to add, don't always be results-oriented, though, just because it didn't pan out the way you expected it to doesn't mean your that it doesn't mean 100% that your approach or plan was wrong though you might have mm-hmm. been right they just might have had a better plan or there were some things that you couldn't anticipate or have control over which is a lot of times your opponent's own plans and things that they have that might be where some of that whole like list building you might have lost in list building step but i I think second edition is too difficult to get that much of an advantage by just this list versus this list. I agree. Everybody's got a chance any day. Well, hopefully you guys enjoyed this episode of Gold Squadron Podcast. I know you guys prefer when we go a little bit longer, but like I said, I'm working on a master's thesis, and uh, this is the end of my time that I am available. So uh, Marcel, Will, and Ryan, thank you as always. You guys are awesome. You guys know that you're awesome, right? I tell you guys in private all the time, but now I want to do it publicly so people don't think I'm like, you know, that, 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 that I don't think those things. So here's me on air saying that. Thank yeah, you. On air, we all gave each other hugs when we saw each other at the showdown, right? Oh, this we, is true. They did see us. <laughs> the cameras go off. Ah, this ah. guy. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, again, thank you guys so much for watching. Make sure to tune in on Wednesday starting at 5 o'clock. We should have an XTC game going on at that time. And if everything's gone well, my paper should be done on Wednesday and I'll be talking about the fact that I'm done with the paper and just have normal homework to do after that. Maybe we'll see what happens, but uh, thank you so much for watching. Remember get signed up for the Lemu uh, galactic championship qualifier tickets are available. Goldsquadronpodcast.com. And for anybody who's participating in one event, just a quick reminder. Remember you only got to pay shipping one time that shipping fee. After that, you, you can add as many events as you want, and all your prizes go in the same envelope. That's why you only do shipping one time, so that's a common question. But thanks for watching. Stay smart. Stay safe. Gold. Squadron. Out.